welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to episode 11 of Underrated Underdogs. This is your host, Chip Dolapo, coming at you. How is everyone doing today in virtual studio? Brandon, how are you doing, bro? I'm good. The Patriots are hot. Things are looking good for this team. I'm feeling really good about the push to the end of the season. Hey, look at my guy. Last week he was saying the Patriots could make the playoffs. And look, look, look at you, look at you guys. Just look at this guy smiling like ear to ear right now. <laughs> Jin, how are you doing, man? Uh, doing great. You know, glad that uh, Diggs got you know another interception. Um, overall, the uh, the Falcons are dead, and uh, excited for this week. Are you really excited for this week? Because you guys are playing the Chiefs next week, so I don't know. How are yeah. you feeling? I mean, I, we know that Patty Mahomes is gonna throw at least two picks in that game, so we're, we're gonna be all right. Ooh, this guy's calling it already. You know what? If if you're, you're calling out odds already, why why don't you take us through our last week bets? Uh, last week we went pretty well. Obviously, we had the boys, um, had the Patriots, um, and some other games. You know, we started to see, you know, the start seeing bigger spreads, and uh, and it seems like the underdogs are winning quite a bit. Um, so again, that's that's where we're going to be most focusing on is some of the underdogs that we we see that are uh, priced um, not according to their markets. Hey, we're all about the underdogs here, anyway. Look at us, the underrated underdogs, and to get those uh, get those premium picks as usual, follow us on Instagram. At underrated FTFW. Once again, that is underrated FTFW. Um, we've got a great show, a packed show for you guys today. So why don't we get uh, jump right into things with the Texans? Um, news came out this week that Miami pretty much offered the house for Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously, you know Deshaun hasn't played a single game this season because of the um, sexual assault allegations that are um, kind of over hovering over his head right now. Um, but the Dolphins offered three first-round picks and two second-round picks for the disgruntled quarterback. And obviously, this all with the with the condition that um, Deshaun Watson clears those assault cases. Um, and the Texans declined this offer. Um, you know, the, I guess the mindset being that he would be worth more once he's cleared. Um, but Brandon, I want to come to you here first. Did the Texans overplay their hand with this uh, with this situation? Yeah, they definitely did. Um, first off, things happen so quickly in the NFL. Um, if we could hopefully someday get a daily show going, we might actually be able to cover news in a timely manner. But uh, this happened probably hours after we recorded last week's pod, and we had to wait a week to talk about it. Um, but they definitely overplayed their hand. I don't know who leaked this, but this was the last bargaining chip they had at the negotiation table. Um, if you think about all the things they would have needed in their favor for a negotiation to go well, like not knowing what other, what other teams are offering, um, the news that the quarterback doesn't want to be there, they, they just they don't have anything else because all of their dirty laundry seems to get aired one way or another. So they don't have any cards to negotiate with. They don't have anything because it's all public information. Um, so, I mean, the breaking news from Jay Glazer was that they think they could get a better offer than three first-round picks and two second-round picks. I'm surprised that offer was even presented. Um, I don't think they're going to get a better offer. 
the other part of that is Deshaun has to okay the move. Like they can't just take the highest bidder because he has a no trade clause. They have to get his permission to leave for, for the trade to even go through. And as it stands right now, um, according to most reporters or most analysts that Miami is the only place he wants to go for the time being. So I don't know what they're going to offer, but I know Miami's not going to go back to the negotiating table later on with more of an offer. They're going to come back with less. So I don't know what they think they're going to get, um, but this was the best. Yeah, this this was three first rounders, two second rounders. That's a, that's quite the haul. Um, Jin, as a betting man, do you think the, the, te- the Texans are right in betting on themselves with this one? No, I think I think the Texans made a huge mistake here um, by getting cold feet because come next offseason, he's not going to be worth more than a two two first round picks um, moving forward, especially now the league knows that the Texans are being greedy. Um, you know, everybody's not going to try to offer him up. Even I don't think even Miami's going to try to do anything and they're just going to watch the Texans burn up their cap for the next five years because next year is when Deshaun's extension kicks in. At that point, the Texans will be glad to get anything for him just to get rid of the cap space that they're going to have to, to need for their new team. Um, so overall, I think, you know, the Texans are, I don't know what the Texans are thinking. Like at this point, like it, it makes no sense. Like, you know, like you, you essentially you're getting five starters for Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, going back, you know that that seems like a really good deal um, with the player that you don't want on your team that doesn't want to play for you. Um, but it just seems like the Texans just never wants to let him go for whatever odd reason it might be. But you know, overall, I think the Texans made a huge mistake here not trading him for the trade deadline because moving forward next season, he's not going to be worth essentially anything and people are just going to laugh at the Texans and they're going to try to get rid of him for like a fifth round pick just to get rid of that that uh, that cap space. Yeah. I don't think he'll fall as low as a fifth round pick, um, but by the time this gets resolved, if it gets resolved, he's going to be at least one year removed from the NFL. Um, that'll bring his value down. I also think... This might be a crazy thought, but the idea that Patrick Mahomes isn't doing this well right now, if that continues, that could work against the Texans also because they were drafted in the same year. And if Mahomes goes on the down because everybody figured him out, maybe that's the case with a lot of the quarterbacks. They get figured out. They don't play at the performance that they once did earlier on. Deshaun was a top QB a year removed from football. And now maybe he's going to come back with the same trajectory where he doesn't play as well. Um, so I don't think the value of a player doesn't get up as they doesn't go up as they get older. So I don't know why they would ever get more, especially if he's not playing. It would be different if he was James Hardening the situation and playing through it and showing everybody that he can still ball, but that's not what's happening. Yeah, and I think it might just be another situation with Jared Goff and uh, Carson Wentz. You know, they were at the height of their careers, and then all of a sudden everything came down crashing. Both of them get traded. Um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the Chiefs is going to trade Patrick Mahomes because 
that would be you know the franchise suicide at that point but it it, it kind of gives you know the same vibe that you know in that same draft class you know two qbs are you know not doing performing well on the lower trajectory and uh don't know what the texans is going to do um hopefully they can figure it out because uh at this point they they are the laughing stock of the nfl I was trying to give him some justice by not comparing him to Jared Goff and Carson Wentz um, and comparing him to Mahomes as he's sort of in that echelon. I think um, I think it's hard to compare a guy like Deshaun Watson, who may have been a four-win team last year, but also was potentially in the MVP conversation for the stats he put up. Um, I think it's a bit different than the Jared Goff-Carson Wentz situation. It seems like it's more like the Patrick Mahomes situation where he was so good so early in his career but now we're seeing someone who was better in the early part of their career also sort of come down so i wonder i wonder if that's something that other teams will consider as part of um when they're offering or if they offer whoever's in the market for a quarterback next year yeah and um of you know speaking of we will get to, to patrick mahomes a little later uh you know the, the the chiefs did have a good game yesterday but before we get there we need to address the obj situation with the rams and browns but we will start off with the rams um obj played his first game on uh, on monday night so last night um finished the game with only two catches and 18 yards um his only other target aside from that led to an interception that was the the first drive during the first drive of the game. Um, overall, not good stats for OBJ himself. And the Rams actually lost the game um, to the 49ers. Um, but, Jenna, I want to come to you here. Um, what did you think about OBJ's um, Rams debut? You know, I, <clears throat> I turned off the game after, essentially, you know, the, the first quarter. Um, it just seems like the Rams are just, you know, confused. They don't know what's going on. OBJ is on the sidelines trying to yell at his, his teammates and everything. You know, it just seems like it's going to grow into a toxic environment and everybody's going to throw up in riots, you know, when they lose another game. Um, you know, I think there's definitely some coaches to blame um, at the Rams organization. And I also think that, you know, the personality of OBJ does not fit well. Uh, with the Rams, especially after, you know, seeing him on the sidelines, you know, yelling, throwing shit, you know, things like that. You know, overall, I think I think OBJ made a terrible mistake of going to the Rams. I mean, I hate to say it, but the only place that, you know, can sort these things out would be uh, would be the Pats, would be the Patriots to, to kind of sort out these you know, behavioral issues because at this point it seems like OBJ does not care about football at all. He cares about his image a lot more than than himself. Um, his talents are there, um, but we we have seen you know countless talented players because of behaviors or off field issues they get cut from the team, you know, and and then never gets another chance. The problem is if it doesn't work out here, he's going to have to try and ab his situation. What I mean by that is like Antonio Brown obviously burnt a bridge with the Steelers and then the Raiders and then the Pats took him and he fucked that up. And then the only reason he was even a lot like put on another team is because a, a quarterback vouched for him. Um, obviously Tom Brady brought him in and he lived at his house. I think he still is. 
And so that's the only reason he's still in the NFL. Obviously, the talent is there. We saw that last year. Haven't, I mean, we've seen it this year. He was out for a bit. Um, but the same thing could happen to OBJ, except he doesn't have a quarterback to vouch for him. Um, unless Stafford does. So I don't really know how that could happen, but he might AB himself. Um, the other part of that is it's his first game. He signed on Friday afternoon. So there was three days of learning the playbook, practicing with the team. That's not a lot. Like if he had signed on the Monday or the Tuesday when he was cleared waivers, it would have made more sense that he's more involved in the game. But with only three days to prepare to fit into an offense. And obviously he has an elevated position because Woods is out. He wasn't going to get a ton of targets. He wasn't going to have a big game unless he got a big catch. Um, he wasn't going to be a big part of that game plan. There's no way they could fit him in. So I, I think it's too early to tell. I do think he's got the talent. I think Stafford is a way better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't burn a bridge having tantrums on the sideline because then he could be in a similar situation as Antonio Brown. Um, but you're right, Jin. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. If he wanted to be the number one receiver uh, at a good franchise, the Pats would have been a great place to come. Now in LA, sure, he gets the star of being in Hollywood, but he is not the number one and he's not going to be the number one. So if he's okay with that, that's great. But if he has another tantrum because he isn't the number one, no one's going to pick him up. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to, you know, the situation, you know, coming as from a Cowboys fan, it's, it's, it's both, you know, happy and sad that, you know, seeing the trajectory of OBJ, I mean, you know, it's great that, you know, he, he got out of the Giants, you know, Giants, essentially, like I said last week, Giants achieved their goal. Their whole goal was to trade him to a place where he's, his career is going to die. And his, his careers did die, or at least, you know, for the time being, did die in Cleveland. Um, you know, overall, I mean, I think the Giants end up wasting the first round pick. Um, I think the only person that, you know, essentially overall, you know, if we kind of look back to the trade that they made, you know, it seems like the Browns actually got a better, you know, player by getting rid of, uh, by getting OBJ because Olivia Vernon is actually part of the trade that went to the Browns and he's still on the Browns roster while the two players as well as the first round pick that was sent to the Giants, um, Jabril Preppers is the only person that remains. Um, the first round draft pick didn't work out well. Uh, the other player got cut a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, overall, you know, I, I'd say that, you know, the Giants achieved their targets or their goals. Um, Cleveland, you know, ended up not doing terribly on the trade, minus OBJ. Um, and uh, and I think OBJ just needs to focus, but I don't think he can. I mean, he's in L.A., you know, has a sick mansion out there, you know, doing all the partings and everything like that, um, which we all know that can turn leads to many things happening. Um Hey, maybe you never know. He might get into an altercation, you know, or whatever it is, and you know, there goes his uh, rest of his careers, and he's going to be, you know, his legacy will be, you know, like the crybaby of the receivers versus people are going to versus people remembering him for that one moment where he, you know, made the catch. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, kind of, you know, wrapping that up with with the, with the OBJ situation, you did bring in the Browns. 
um, wanted to touch on the Brown as, as well. Um, last week, they, they kind of played their first game without OBJ. Ended up in a huge, huge win against the Bengals. They dominated in that game. Um, but that was not the case this week at all. They got absolutely manhandled by, uh, you know, by Mac Jones and the Patriots. You could, if, if you could see Brandon right now, man. If only you could see Brandon. I can't wait for this thing to turn to a video. Brandon is like smiling from ear to ear. He can't even hold himself. Um, but yeah, the Patriots won that one pretty handedly, 45 to 7. Um, and obviously, he was like the, the, the Browns and Baker Mayfield are going up against a defensive mastermind in Bill Belichick. Um, and they're, both their star running backs were actually out injured for that game. Um, so that could explain in part why they only scored seven points. Um, so, Brandon, I'm coming to you first because this was your, your team's game. Um, was Sunday night's game uh, just a blip in the, you know, in the radar for the Browns, or is that a sign of things to come for the Browns? Um, it's been a sign all year. Like, first off, the Patriots kicked ass. Mac Jones kicking ass. Um, and obviously, you guys have heard me rant about how I vouched for him since way before he was drafted. Um, so it's good to see these things pay off in games like that. Um, but the missing piece obviously is an OBJ. He's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Um, the missing piece is the run game. And when both starting running backs were named out for this game, I was worried because Damian Harris has been such a big part of the Patriots offense that I was worried about how that would go. Um, but we adapted and Baker cannot every time he has had to rely on his throwing versus a heavy run game and sort of building off of that. It's been a failure. As soon as the run game gets shut down against the Browns, they don't score. They can't come back. I don't know. I don't know why Baker is being sold as this huge next contract guy when it's very obvious that he's a game manager. Um, so, I mean, I think the Browns are pretty high up in the Super Bowl odds to start the season. And I feel like along with a lot of people, I'm, I was, I wouldn't say losing hope. I never even believed it. The Browns find a way to do Browns things. Um, and this is it. Nick Chubb gets injured. This season is going to go terribly. They need him in the lineup. They could, they could do with or without Baker. They could do with or without OBJ. The missing piece is Nick Chubb. That's it. I mean, I, I definitely disagree with you that Nick Chubb is the main focus of that team. I mean, you saw what happened with the run game to start off the game. You know, Darius Johnston came in, did, did play pretty well, you know, put up good numbers. Um, I think it's just the overall organization is just kind of, you know, disoriented. Baker has no idea exactly what's going on. You know, he might have visited Urban Meyer's chop house too much on the weekend when he's not playing. Um, you know, it just seems like he's just overall not, not into the game or he tries too hard and then obviously mistakes happen and it's time and time again. And, you know, I think some of the pressure is getting to him that, you know, he knows that he's in a contract year. You know, he wants to get that next year contract, but, you know, that pressure is mounting onto him and it's not, not doing well for him. I mean, overall, I think the Browns are... You know, the Browns is the Browns, you know, even though they got a good, pretty good offense, pretty good defense, um, 
you know, I think it's the front office, you know, draft really well, did everything well, but it just, it seems like, you know, they're, they're stuck in their, the, you know, their own world and it's not going to be uh, any changing anytime soon coming up. Not to mention their defense is normally very good. Like their defense is normally top two the past couple of years in the league, like very, very good. Uh, like you dread playing against them good. Um, and that didn't seem to be the case. That I think is just a blip. Like that defense will come back. Obviously they've got a ton of stars on that defense. So I think on the whole, the game was a blip, but I, I, I don't agree with you. I think Nick Chubb is a bigger part of that running game than, um, than you realize. I don't think Dearness Johnson is bad. Obviously he had a couple hot starts um, and he had a really good game in the first game. Uh, I just think as soon as that run game falls apart, so does the rest of the team. It feels like, and they need to be more than just like a run game with a few play action pieces in there. They need to be more versatile because as soon as a defense figures you out, unless you adapt, then you're not very good. We're seeing that across the league with a few quarterbacks and a few teams. Um, so they need to be able to adjust to continue the game of chess. That is the defense adjusts them and then they need to change to adapt to that. Um, so uh, I mean, I don't care if they come back from it. I don't care about the Browns. The Patriots beat them. That's all that matters. <laughs> I mean, this might be, uh, you know, an afterthought coming up, you know, for the offseason, but Browns might push for a quarterback if, you know, they see that Baker's not the solution. So, you know, with with Miami dropping out, maybe dropping out of the race for Deshaun, maybe see the Cleveland making a push for Deshaun. Um you know, they have a pretty good defense, pretty good offense. Deshaun would add an extra element, um, you know, with his running powers. Um, maybe that's the missing piece that the uh, the Browns needed. And Baker can be a backup somewhere um, because everybody knows that besides the Browns, you know, just giving him a new contract, he's going to be a backup anywhere else. Is he going to Mitch Trubisky the situation? He's just going to end up a backup to somebody like Josh Allen? Yeah, maybe, or even Josh Rosen. I mean, <clears throat> we now I understand why, you know, we're kind of getting off course here, but I understand why the <clears throat> the Cardinals, uh, you know, decided to release or trade Josh uh, Rosen away. I mean, his first throw in the game last Sunday was a pick. So, you know... You know, I can I can see why the teams are not signing him, and I see why you know um, he ended up going with the Falcons. But you know, hey, he might be he might be you know up in the up in the coming ups. If Matt Ryan just you know plays poorly, he might you know gets a chance to start a couple games for for the Falcons for the season. I think Josh Rosen is going to be a career backup. <clears throat> I think his time to be a starter has come and gone. Uh, career it was back. a little off topic, but I think he'll just end up being a career backup. But these guys still make a decent chunk of money. I mean, I they still play a couple games. Yeah, I mean, look at Chase Daniels. Guys been in the, the league for like 18 years, averaging two, three million a year as a backup. He's living good. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like being a backup is not is not terrible. Realistically, there's only 32 starting jobs in the NF or in the world, really. So I mean. There's a huge pool of quarterbacks, and not that many of them are 
are elite enough to be of the top 32. There's nothing wrong with being a backup. Just obviously, if you've been a starter for a couple of years, like in Baker's situation, if you've been a starter for four years, that's a hard adjustment. That was the conversation about Cam, right? You were a starter for so long. How do you then go to being a clipboard king? Um, I don't think he will. Like, I think he's in the same situation as Cam. I don't know if there's 32 quarterbacks that are better than Baker Mayfield. There might be 32 quarterbacks that are easier to get along with. Um, and there might be 32 quarterbacks that aren't as arrogant. But I don't know if there's 32 quarterbacks that are entirely better. So yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we'll see what the what the Browns do with um, do with him at the end of the year, or rather at the at the end of his contract. Um, but yeah, maybe it's it's time to not maybe it's probably time for them to start looking elsewhere. Um, but let's move to a team that doesn't have any problems at quarterback, the the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, after a rough start to the season, they're kind of getting back on track here. They are currently on a three game win streak. Um, gotten themselves back above 500 and are now sitting at the top of the AFC West. Um, and in Sunday night's game, um, the Chiefs looked like themselves again for the first time in a long time. Um, they scored 41 points while only, while only giving away uh, 14. Um, and Patrick Mahomes threw for 405 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and he completed 70% of his passes. Um, the running back, Daryl Williams, also gave them a ton of production, both in the run game and receiving. Um, so Brandon, I want to come to you here. Is it safe to say the chiefs are back? Look, I know that new England fans are brutal and terrible and rude, but chiefs fans, you guys are way fucking worse. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Mahomes is having a bad year because he's human and defenses have figured him out and he's still in the process of adjusting. And as soon as they win a couple games, um, you're back on the Super Bowl bandwagon, which is insane. So the Denver Broncos did this in the beginning of the year where they won three games, and they were 3-0, and and they were the talk of the league, but they beat the Jags, the Jets, and the Giants. Um, and this is the same thing with the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back because they beat the Giants by a field goal. Uh, they beat Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers, which is – basically without a quarterback um and they only scored 13 jordan love had a hundred different attempts to try and tie that game up and just screwed them all up like i would say jordan love lost that more so than the chiefs won that because they only put up 13 um and then the raiders stunk this weekend like they had nothing going for them um and Derek carr looked like classic mid-season meltdown Derek carr um so i mean yeah, they look good on the uh, on the stat sheet, but the game I'm excited for is going to be the one this weekend because that'll show if the Chiefs are truly back. Can they come back and beat a stacked, hot Cowboys team? Or are they going to have to just beat all the other teams that are subpar and get themselves into a playoff spot and then have a challenge um, before we can see if they're back? But I don't think it's weird that Patrick Mahomes would have an off couple games or off season or half season or however many games it takes him to get it back he's going to adapt he's too talented not to it's just i don't know if i'd i'd be beating that drum with these last three wins 
Jin, I know the, the, the Chiefs are going to be facing your, your Cowboys this weekend, and you mentioned earlier that you are pretty confident about the about you got your boys winning that, that game. Um, but just in general, how do you feel about the Chiefs right now? Are they on the up and up, or do you still think this is, um, you know, this isn't very good for them? You know, overall, I think the Chiefs are just, you know, they're going to be, you know, overconfident going into the game for sure. Um, you know, thinking that, you know, they beat a pretty solid team, but, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders. And uh, Brandon, I'm going to give you an option right now. You have the option to eat three Popeye's biscuits instead of eating six. So half of the, the amount right now. Um, I'm going to give you that option because you, from the looks of it, you are going to lose your bet uh, at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, uh, that's I'm giving you a way out. But, you know, kind of going back to uh, to the Chiefs, you know, it just seems like, you know, for the first time in a while that everything sort of clicked in. Um, but, you know, they're going to be playing the, the Dallas defense where, you know, one of the their weaknesses is Patrick Mahomes throwing, um, you know, uh, interceptions. And the Cowboys are coming in uh, top five in the league of takeaways. So I think that's definitely going to <clears throat> have a huge impact on the overall passing game um, for Kansas City. Uh, you know, they're going to try to figure things out. Uh, but overall, I think I think the win streak is going to end this weekend uh, for the Chiefs. Um, you know, it just doesn't seem like they... You know, it seems like they used up all their gas in the gas tank for this game for the Raiders. Um, and, uh, you know, it just seems like nothing's really going to be clicking uh, for the Cowboys game. You must have been reading my notes, Jin. <laughs> because, because I'll read my notes on the podcast so everyone knows how I feel about Derek Carr right now. Um, this will be the absolute last time I buy into Derek Carr hype and the last time I bet on the Raiders in any way, shape, or form are the notes that I wrote for this particular section. Um, so, I mean, if you're honest about, or if you're serious about the buyout, I will absolutely do it. And then just bring a couple extra biscuits aside the Popeye's meal that you, that you still owe. Um, and I'll eat them. This All is right. my early cash out. I'm trying to redeem it. No. Well, regardless, just make sure make sure we have the video. Just make sure we have the video. I mean, I mean if you really think about it, you know, the Popeye's, uh, you know, meal that I'm bringing over already has one for him. He has to eat another three. So that's four in total. He's going to die before he gets to the second one. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> oh, man. Was it last week at the like right after we we're done the show? We we're looking at the the caloric content of of the of the Popeyes biscuits, it's, <laughs> and it's uh, like it's six. No, it's four hundred and eighty calories, I believe, per per biscuit, per biscuit without butter, <laughs> um, four hundred and seven to be exact. Um, it did give Brandon the option to you know lather on as much butter as he wants to help him. <laughs> to go down a lot faster um you know it's up to him you know he's already enjoying you know a four piece there so there goes like you know 1600 calories four biscuits that's another 1600 calories you know at the end of the day his arteries might burst after that meal um but i'll make sure to have uh, 911 on speed dial uh in case anything happens yeah keep him safe keep him safe 
right, I'm taking my early cash out, but it still involves four biscuits, which is like I almost lost, but not quite. Yeah. Um, but I'll take it because I I'm over the Derek Carr hype. I mean, technically, you can fit all four in your mouth. You know, stick a, you know like a stick of butter in your mouth at the same time. It would just be a lot better, you know, helping you get that to get that down. Oh man! All right, um, let's get to our last topic of the day. This one actually warms my heart to see because Superman is back in the building. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Cam Newton has returned to the Panthers. Um, played his first game on Sunday, and I was really hyped. Cam was super hyped. Um, in limited snaps, he was able to score two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing, and you could feel the electricity in that stadium. Um, it was it was a very kind of short stint for him, but Brandon, I want you to, to grade his uh, performance and also talk about how you think he'll fit on that Carolina team. <laughs> What? He started on that Carolina Panthers team. <laughs> what do you mean how he'll fit? Well, because he, he only played, like, what, how many snaps? It was just a handful of snaps. Like, it, like he's oh. going to be the starter, but he's he's not yet the starter. And how far do you think he can take this team? Um, I don't think he can take this team very far this year. I think it's a little late in the season. I think if he started at the beginning of the season, you'd be talking about a playoff team. Um. The other part of that, like, look, when we were talking about Cam getting cut, the f- I made a list of the teams I thought that he could go to, and it wasn't a short list. It was like six or seven teams that he could potentially fit on. Um, the only reason I left out Carolina Panthers in the first place is because we didn't know what was going to happen with Sam Darnold. We didn't know if it was going to be like the Adam Gase effect and he was just going to kill it like Tannehill did, uh, or if he actually sucked. And it's leaning towards the latter part of that. Um, In which case, I would have added the Carolina Panthers as a return for Cam Newton as well. So you and I were both on the bandwagon that we want to see him in the league. We need Superman in the NFL. Um, And you're so much of a fan, I even had you cheering for the Patriots for a short point last year. Yes, sir. So I'm super excited to have Cam back. Especially, I I don't think I ever watched Carolina once Cam was gone. I love the idea that that he's back, and even though he's not on the Patriots, the only reason he was cut was because we drafted Mac Jones. Like, if we won enough games or Mac Jones didn't fall, I don't think Bill Belichick would have taken any chances. I think he would have kept Cam for another year. And if you watch the preseason, he was looking hot. So it was just a matter of time before somebody signed him. Obviously, he was the topic of conversation every time a quarterback left the field with an injury. It was, okay, is this Cam Newton's next spot? Um, and I'm happy to see that he's back in the league. I think we're going to get a lot of great highlights. I just don't know if it's too late in the season to call Carolina a playoff team now. I mean, it almost seems like, you know, Sam Darnold is just <clears throat> not the solution. You know, he's worse than Teddy Bridgewater at this point. Um, you know, I'm excited that Cam is back in Carolina. You know, that's definitely going to give a lot of, you know, different uh, different features that he can do <clears throat> on the field uh, as well as in the locker rooms. You know, overall, I think it's a good opportunity for Cam. You know, shows that he can still play great. You know, uh, in the when he was at the Patriots, it just seems like the schemes didn't really fit well for him. Um, and it seems like Matt Rule's 
schemes might fit a lot better uh, for him, which brings up the question of why they try to why they cut him in the first place. Um, you know, I guess to save cap money, but they just gave him ten million dollars, so it almost seems like you know essentially he's getting paid double for you know he's counting double against the cap. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> I think Carolina might be you know, using Cam to make a push and then maybe sign him to a backup role to develop a, uh, you know, a, a, maybe a rookie quarterback in not not the first year, but maybe in like two years because, you know, they did, they did pick up Sam Darnold's um, contract uh, in the offseason for this fifth year. So they're going to be on the hook for his full guarantee, which is a, which I believe is around $26 million. Um you know, which is roughly about 10, 11% of the cap that, that we're going to see in the next season. Um, <clears throat> so they're going to be, be, you know, playing the numbers really well. And, uh, and this just seems like Sam Darnold's trade was, was just a complete bust. But, but then again, we all know that a Jets is going to pick some random player uh, that's going to fail. So it's going to be a win-win situation for, for both organizations. Jets is going to pick a terrible... Uh, player that's not going to fit their schemes. Bob Saul is most likely going to get fired in like two, three years, um, and the uh, Cara, the quarterback carousel is going to and coaching carousel is going to roll over on the Jets over and over again. And maybe you never know. Uh, <clears throat> Zach Wilson might be the talk of the town uh, in three years when he gets cut or traded to uh, another team um, from the Jets. Um. I was just looking at the NFC standings. They're actually in a playoff spot as of right now. Um, that being said, the NFC is pretty tight. Like if you take into account that the Packers, Cardinals, Cowboys, Bucks, and Rams are five of the seven playoff spots, essentially, we just assume those teams will probably make the playoffs at this point. Uh, that only leaves two spots and there's a big gap between the rest of them. So, I mean, they might sneak in on the wild card. Ooh, Superman on the wild card. But if they sneak in on the wild card, they're going to be playing like the Cardinals, the Cowboys, or the Bucks, or the Rams. So, like, that's. Yeah. I don't know about making it past the wild card round. Um, but I was just looking at it and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Aside from the five teams atop the NFC, the rest of the NFC stinks. So yeah, so maybe we can see Cam in the playoffs. That would be beautiful. At least the the wild card game, that that'd be fun. See see if Superman can can capture some of that old magic. Um, but that brings us to the end of our show. As usual, if you stayed this long, hit that subscribe button. If you are listening to this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave a comment down below. Help us out with the algorithms, and we will be back again next week with another episode. Also, don't forget to, to follow us on Instagram, underrated FTFW. And as I said, we'll be back again next week with another episode. And until then, if you think you work hard, whoever edits Cam's vlogs works even harder. Have a great day.